On today's episode, we are going to fire it up with a retro review of 1994's The Crow, sponsored by the Blue Springs 8. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies, a spoiler-filled podcast from Kansas City, Missouri, by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And we are here with a retro review. Uh, We've been working our way backwards. I think we started with, let me math this out in my head, I think we skipped 2014, so 2009, and we've been working our way back, and we are all the way back to 1994. In increments of five. Yes, yes. Thank you for correcting me on that one. I, <laughs> I actually can't remember the string of movies we did. I think uh, last one was 99 Boondock Saints. Yes, the little Boondock. Yep, and I don't remember after that. That's how long it's been. <laughs> yeah, so now we're the in The Crow. Yeah, and I don't think there was any rhyme or reason for us picking this movie other than, I know for me, it was like, oh, hey, 1994, The Crow. I know, I feel like I love that movie, and I haven't seen it in a while, so why not? And it's uh, it's one of those that we quote all the time, really anytime we can. And so it pops up in our day-to-day lives often, <laughs> probably more often than it should. Yeah, I'm very interested to know from other people like listeners who may not have, I mean, I don't know, an affinity for The Crow, but it's not like it's a highly quotable movie, if that makes sense. It's not like something that like when you, it has all these plethora of quotes that you can just drop and everybody just immediately knows and they're always plugged into the mainstream, but they are very, at least the two that we use all the time, they are very distinct quotes that you 100% know that they are from The Crow. Right. And it one is usually when someone is uh, complaining an awful lot <laughs> about something going bad, either work, life, fantasy football, you name it. And then, uh, one of us fires back. It can't rain all the time. And actually, my <laughs> wife just the other day was like, who doesn't know that quote? And I was like, I don't know, because my entire circle of friends and people that I ever dropped that quote on, like they all know that. So I I don't know that I've ever encountered a situation in my life where I've said it can't rain all the time and people uh, did not recognize it. So I don't know if that's just because I'm smart about who I drop that around or if just everybody knows that that's the crow quote. Or they've heard us say it so many times that they just know it from us saying it. And they may not right. have seen the crow, but they it's been so often that they've now adapted that into their vocabulary. Yeah, it's a perfect way to get somebody to watch the crow, though. I mean, if you drop a it can't rain all the time, or if you just start throwing your arms up in the air saying fire it up, they're like, whoa, what is happening? What are you doing? Like, oh, just go watch the crow. You'll get it then. <laughs> fire it up. Yep, that's that's a good one. All right, so let's get into this one. Uh, before we do, I want to thank our sponsor, the Blue Springs 8, as usual. You cannot see The Crow uh, currently at Blue Springs 8. This was released in 1994. Maybe you could convince them to to do a, a retro showing. I mean, you could get a lot worse movies of retro than The Crow. That's true. That's true. And they don't currently do retro showings, but uh, I don't see why. Why not? No, absolutely. I, I would say leave them, leave them some messages on their, on their social. See if you can convince them to start throwing up some old movies and, and sway them to, to go watch Alex Proyas's Dark brandon lee movie the crow done deal all right well let's go i'm gonna go straight into the letterbox and we're gonna get going 
Exactly one year after young rock guitarist Eric Draven and his fiance are brutally killed by a ruthless gang of criminals, Draven, watched over by a hypnotic crow, returns from the grave to exact revenge. Mentioned this just a second ago, but it's directed by Alex Proyas, who has done Dark City, iRobot, Knowing, and Gods of Egypt. So Oof. he uh, kind of fell off there. Ooh, yeah. Yep, I would say so. I, I'm not a fan of any of those. Uh, specifically Dark City. After I became obsessed with The Matrix when it came out, everybody was like, oh, if you love The Matrix, you got to go watch Dark City. And I've tried like two or three times to watch that movie, and it's fine. I can finish it, but I'm never like, oh, that's so cool. It's uh, it's a weird one. Yeah, and clearly Proyas has a style. He seems to have gotten away from it uh, at the turn of the millennium because iRobot, Knowing, and Gods of Egypt are not dark. But, iRobot was ooh, good. Oh, boy. I liked cr- iRobot. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm more talking about his style. Like, Dark City and The Crow have a distinct style to them. Almost Tim, he, Tim Burton-ish. Yeah, like Tim Burton if he was serious, which almost kind of makes it worse, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so the cast. We have the late, great Brandon Lee, Rochelle Davis, Ernie Hudson, Michael Wincott, Bai Ling, Sophia Shinus, Anna Levine, David Patrick Kelly, Michael Massey, and Tony Todd. Had to work Tony Todd in for you. Yeah, Candyman. I know. I or actually the Rocket saw Man, him. however you prefer. <laughs> I actually saw him in this, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's the Candyman, but I'm not entirely sure because he he doesn't look as brooding, and he's you know wearing like a like a suit for the entire movie. So I actually did have to. Yeah, I had to IMDb and be like, okay, yeah, that is Candyman. I'm not losing my mind. <laughs> How can you not recognize Tony Todd? Well, you just I don't know. He always looks so kind of. Um, sullen and like dark circles under his eyes. I think the glasses kind of hid that. So I was like, I'm pretty sure that's him, but not entirely sure. One of the places I want to start with this, and I just mentioned it though, is like how incredibly dark this movie is, which I always remember it being dark, but truly everything about it is dark. And I wonder if that turns some people off. Uh, what did you think about it? Well, it's hard to get a new first impression. You know, I, I know this movie very well, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it, everything about it is dark, and I didn't even remember that it was two days. I thought it was one day. I didn't realize that there was a day in between. Right. I had the same exact thing. So I was like, wait a second. I thought this was Devil's Night, and then it wasn't Devil's Night. It felt like they were talking like it was Devil's Night in the first night, and that's when he came back. He didn't come back on the day he died, apparently. Yeah, and I think part of what throws that off is that, you know, most of the time in movies, you'll have an actual day. So, you know, morning, afternoon, nighttime, you go through the actual cycles that we experience. But I'm pretty sure, because I tried to make note of this, I think the only time you get any hint that something might be daytime, and I'm I'm even questioning whether it was just really bright lights outdoors, is when the mom is cooking Sarah her eggs. So after, you know, she is confronted by the crow and he squeezes the morphine out and says, you know, mother is the name for God on the lips and hearts of children. After that, and she's making those eggs, like it's really bright. And I was looking in the windows, I'm like, okay, I think that's daytime, but I, I'm not convinced. It might just be they live by some really bright light. So that's your only kind of indication in the movie that we might have gone into a second day. Well, I thought that was daylight. And then when she sees Eric in the window, when the light hits, She's asking him where he where he is. Is that where his silhouette comes through? Yeah, yeah, but that's not daylight, is it? I thought that was. I don't know what that was. 
Well, I know the breakfast one is daylight. Okay. At least I feel like I mean reading breakfast. <laughs> right. But but that's how dark this movie is, is that I questioned <laughs> whether or not they live in a world that is just entirely pitch black all the time and that just happened to be like some big incandescent light outside their apartment or whether it was actually daytime. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Well, I mean, she said it's always like this because it's the rain. So you don't know, you know, the clouds make it look like nighttime all the time. Right. But that they were eating breakfast and it did look like daytime to me. And I'm going to ask a question, which I feel like I should know. So I'm going to maybe expose this a little bit. But is it in Detroit? Uh, yes. Okay. Because I mean, well, they mentioned Motor City, so I'm assuming. Okay. Detroit. That's what I thought that it was supposed to be in Detroit, which always makes me laugh because you know there's like RoboCop and all that stuff. Like Detroit just became, you know, <laughs> if you want to run down city, <laughs> you use Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well. Yeah, I caught that too. It, it goes across two days, but like the darkness for me, it's so atmospheric and it's really cool. But at times, I feel like it almost does a disservice because there's some shots that are just kind of hard to follow or comprehend because everything is just black. Everybody's wearing black. Everything is caked in black. And then there's some of the like cityscape shots that Proyas tries to do that I don't know if because it's dark or if it's because of whatever style choice he made, but they look really. I don't know, fake and bad. Like you can almost see the outlines of things. It's like they're they're doing some kind of effects. I don't think it's CGI. It could be, but I, I guess I, I feel like the environment's kind of hindering, and it makes it feel cheap a few times in some of the shots. I can see that. So this was based on a uh, on a comic book, graphic novel. On a graphic novel, I consider them one and the same. <laughs> okay, but it was a. Uh, I, I've never never read it. I never looked it up. I don't know if you've ever had any exposure to the graphic novel. Oh, you know, I own it. Do you? Yeah, I, I bought it a long time ago and read it. It's I prefer the movie. It's not like it's a bad book. It's very 80s. Like He comes across more as like a uh, like metal glam rocker. So like his hair is kind of like the frizzy 80s kind of, and he it's like this almost kiss-ish look to him as opposed to, you know, kind of the... I don't know, the crow we became used to knowing, which is like a, a clown, you know, a demonic clown in a way. A mime. Yeah. Thought, I always thought mime. I mean, I, I almost wanted to say sting, and that's sting. not going to work. It's self-referential. <laughs> right. Sting, you know, made his look off the crow. Right. So by me telling you that he, he looks like, like Brandon, <laughs> Brandon Lee's going for a look that looks like sting, but sting was looking like the crow. So yeah, that, that gets us nowhere. Yeah. And I didn't know because they, it, I feel like working in the guitar was kind of forced into this yeah um and so i wasn't sure if that was a big part of the uh the graphic novel it's been years since i've read it i mean it clearly he is a rocker and they play that up in the movie too i think that's something that they're trying to be um you know cognizant of and, and aware of i i so i mean we're probably spoiling what both of us might say is one of our answers to our questions later on but yes the you you get kind of beaten over the head with the fact that he's a musician between the picture of his band and uh, Sarah listens to the records. And then, of course, like you said, the guitar playing on the roof is, you know, a, a bit much. So and I figured that that much of the book that they're really playing with his past. But uh, good old Top Dollar. Um, mm-hmm. How is he uh, portrayed in the, in the graphic novel? Because he's, uh, uh, he's a, an interesting character just to be around detroit 
Yeah, so I, I had I didn't revisit the book. Like I said, it's been at least probably five, if not ten years since I've read the book. So I can't really speak to that. I did some reading online just to kind of see. I, I do think they changed things a little bit. Like I don't think he's um, involved with his half sister. And I don't think he is a crime lord. I mean, he's a he's a bad guy, I believe, but he's not like, you know, in the movie, they make him out to be the head of all of the crime activity that's going on in this city. But I don't think he's like elevated to that level in the book from what I was reading. Gotcha. Or carrying around swords. I mean, why not? <laughs> I actually loved that. For some reason, he's wearing a vest like he's, uh, you know, like Count of Monte Cristo, but he's got ninja swords, uh, like a, a wall of them. Uh, it it made no sense to me, but then again, I, I thought it was awesome. No, I've always thought it was awesome when I was a kid, but then watching it now, it's, it's, it's kind of like, why? But why not at the yeah, same time? Exactly. Especially if you're the crime boss. Why, why, yeah, why wouldn't you have a wall of swords? Well, yeah, exactly. And especially if you've got an awesome name like Top Dollar. I mean, you, you got to just, you know, have a wall of swords. Does that not, to me, that doesn't fit with him either. That his no, name would be Top no. Dollar. It, it works for all the little underlings that they would be, you know, Fun Boy and uh, Skank and, God, who am I missing? Like, is uh, T-Bird. Tintin. Tin. Yeah. So those work for like those guys, but then to have the top guy named Top Dollar and he's like this weird you know, his building is this, like a church, an old church or something like that. And he's into the mystical arts, like top dollar just it feels shallow. Yeah, that's more like, a, like you think the kingpin would be called top dollar, you know, like he's yeah. into money and into wealth. And, right. and this guy's clearly not. He's into, you know, cutting people up, <laughs> you know, sadistically, you know, that's, that doesn't yeah. seem top dollar to me. And they don't even, okay, so here, I, I guess I'll just ask you, because you're, you are Mr. Villain Maketh the Movie. Yes. So give me your breakdown on Top Dollar because I will say I, I think generally he's kind of a weak villain. Um oh he's not he's not bad. Okay. I mean, Michael Wincott coming from Robin Hood, you know, the the sheriff's cousin. Uh, he he has that voice of like he's always has a forced voice, but I think that's actually his voice. Mm-hmm. You know, the the scratchy, like it doesn't sound like somebody would actually have that voice. Yeah. Um I mean, casting wise, uh, sure. I think the sister makes him weirder. Uh, it takes it takes a weird turn. Is that a good uh, thing? No. Okay. I don't think so. I think without her, I mean, I, I was trying to, I was watching the movie, thinking, why do we need her? Uh, and I guess she's the one who explains, you know, the crow. Yes. Piece of it, and so you need someone, I guess, like that to to connect the two or explain explain that um so i realized why she was in the movie but uh i think top dollar would have been a better villain without her okay yeah i i think i agree with that i I was trying to think about that for a minute but i i think i like that she brought the supernatural aspect to kind of get him to understand what the crow was because then otherwise you've got to figure out a scenario where somebody understands what the crow is so that they can hurt the crow so that the fight at the end can actually be somewhat uh, believable. Otherwise, you've basically got an invincible guy going against you know the main bad guy, and that's not going to be suspenseful in any way. Right. I did like the the uh, see, see who am I? I'm a crow. Bang, dead. <laughs> yeah. You like that line? Oh my god! It's I couldn't tell whether it was like laughably good or just really really awful. No, I liked it because I could picture him. Yeah, you know, basically he's mocking, you know, Brandon after he's shot. Right. You know, or Eric, however you want to put him that way. But that's, uh, 
uh, I, I did like that line. Yeah, I guess I guess <laughs> I kind of didn't think they did top dollar enough justice as to him being the bad guy. I mean, they really only give I think one scene where he kills the guy who runs the pawn shop, but beyond that, he's just you know you're just told he's the main bad guy because he orchestrates everything else. But like they didn't really give him anything like I didn't think cool or menacing to do. Yeah, they, they could have done more with him. I don't think he's an iconic bad guy, sure. but I don't think he hurt the movie. I agree with that. I mean, he did fine. Uh, is, and as far as the rest of the acting goes, I mean, I thought everybody did a pretty good job, I guess. I mean, they're, they're pretty kind of... Oh, almost everybody has like a bit role, except for Brandon Lee and Ernie Hudson. Everybody else just doesn't get a lot of consistent screen time or any kind of role that's any good. So I felt like the acting was all fine, but I... I will say Ernie was solid, especially considering it's Ernie Hudson and you don't really see him in a lot. But I mean, Brandon was pretty ridiculous in this movie. He's it, it was a great role. I mean, I, I kind of always wonder what would have happened after the crow had he not died, because I know he's got some not so good movies leading up to this, like Showdown in Little Tokyo and Rapid Fire. Whoa, 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 whoa! What? Not so good movies like Showdown in Little Tokyo. I mean. If we're comparing it to the crow, <laughs> it's not going to be that level. No, no. And I need to. When's the last time you've seen that movie? Oh man, ages. Like on HBO way back in the day when I was junior high ish. It's a buddy cop movie with Dolph Lundgren, and it it's bad. Like Brandon Lee's kind of the 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 comedy. Uh, I don't think Brandon uh, Lee needs to be the comedy. He's the, he's the comedic effect to, <laughs> to, to the movie. And it is done. I mean, he's okay, but the lines he's given are awful. Yeah. If you go, it, it, it's so bad. If you go look at his filmography up to The Crow, it, it's, it's rough. I mean, it's not like he had some gems in there. It's a pretty rough one. So that's what makes me wonder what would have happened. I mean, that's the big question around this movie. Like, had he not died making this movie, one, would it have been as popular because obviously things, you know, when everybody knows that he died in the movie, there's going to be some popularity around that. But two, you know, was this going to be his jumping point? Because I think he's freaking phenomenal in this movie. No, I agree. I agree. I think this would have been a, a launching pad, if you will, for him into much better movies. Yeah. I, I think his ability to, like, cover all of the emotions. I mean, the flashbacks, you don't get a lot of stuff. It's just kind of generic, whatever. But... You know, when he's the crow, you know, when he's going through the rings and he's got his eyes closed picking those out, there's things like that. But he's best when he's the crow getting ready to get vengeance because, I mean, it's so hard not to compare this to the Joker because of the face paint and everything. But he gets like this crazy eyed bubbliness about him that's like really... Mm -hmm. It's like funny and cool, but at the same time, it's like crazy and sinister. And he like channels that so perfectly that I, I love him so much in this role. It just it sucks because you wanted to see like another crow and another chance for him to be able to do this. So it's yeah, I love his performance. And you mentioned him him dying in this movie, which I think we have to bring up. Right. But uh, I always thought it was at the end of the movie you know, during the shootout that he died. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was, so I went back and read, I didn't realize it was in the flashback at the very beginning scene Yep, that they did where Fun Boy actually kills him. Yeah. And he's and he's had to deal with that ever since. And that's awful. Yeah, that's truly awful. Uh, there's some interviews that I, I hadn't had a chance to watch yet, but, you know, even in like his obituary, or not, I shouldn't say his obituary, but you can find links of when that actor uh, who played Funboy, I think his name is like Michael Massey, when he died. 
and even in the article where they talk about him dying, they they always reference the fact that he was the guy who accidentally killed Brandon Lee, which it's not his fault. He was an actor. He pulled the trigger like he was supposed to. It was the, the prop guys who didn't do their jobs and, and caused the accident. But he's the one that had to live with it because he had to, he pulled the trigger. Yeah, I did watch one interview uh, and they were saying people kept asking him, you know, how's it feel? I was like, why? I don't know why people keep asking me about this. You know, it's between me and, and Brandon. You know, it's, it's, it's nobody's business. You can tell he's still struggling with, with all of it, but that's the one question he gets asked, like, all the time. Ugh. How do you feel about killing a guy? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, let, let's take the fact that it's Brandon Lee out of the equation, right? There's a clearly an accident on a movie set that caused this to happen that's of no fault to that guy. I mean, he was probably handed the gun. It's not his job to check it and make sure that everything's all set up, right? He was handed the gun. They said action, and he was supposed to shoot, and he did. But... Layer on the fact that, you know, he accidentally killed somebody, but it was uh, on the set of a movie that became insanely popular, and it's Bruce Lee's son. I mean, good Lord. That, I mean, that's got to be—he probably had to struggle with that his whole life. And, and to make it a little bit weirder, it's a movie about a guy being killed and coming back to life. Right. You know, and that's the scene that, that killed him. Right. You know, that was the death scene. It's not like he was the crow during that scene. That was him as Eric. Yep. You know, that, that killed him and just, just the whole surrounding everything is just kind of weird. Yeah. And it's then, so, yeah. it's so hard to like get to the truth of that because I think, you know, if you go read articles, there's talk of like, nobody's very few people have seen the actual tape and what incidents actually led up to it. And was there a conspiracy or was there not like, there's all these weird things, but it seems like it was just, uh, you know, shoddy work on the the set of the movie that that caused that accident. And and, and the other thing that I, because I was the same as you, I always thought it was the big shootout on the table. But it, yeah, it's that scene. And I guess I was reading too that uh, clearly that scene is not even in the movie. They didn't they didn't use it, and it involved like Fun Boy shooting him with like a. Um, he put the bag in like a grocery sack and then shot him. So it, yeah, it's long story short. The scene's not even in the movie, so it's not like one of those things where you can go watch and be like, oh, this is the scene where Brandon died if you were it's somebody. It's not a snuff film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, but I know there's a lot of what, what, urban legends around the movie, probably, so. Yeah. But, again, to to be asked that just about, because that was his, like, second movie ever, and the guy had a an okay career mm-hmm. you know, for the rest of his his days, but to always be asked about that, it's got to be, yeah, you know, finally getting over it, if yeah. he ever did, and then it always be brought up in every interview. Yeah, it'd be terrible. It'd yeah, make you not awful. want to be an actor. It'd make you just want to go away. And he did. He did yeah. for a while and then decided to come back and, oh, hey, by the way, you're the guy that shot Brandon. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, thanks. Yep, can't ever leave yeah. it. So while we're on this subject, though, I mean, it does kind of beg the question, can you separate, or I'm going to ask you to try and separate, like all of that from this movie and then i also like we already mentioned this right but sting in wcw basically i think there's a lot of things outside of this movie that kept its popularity alive and in pop culture whether that's brandon's death or whether it's sting and wcw adopting this look for a year or whatever so if you take away that do you still that think was this only movie, a year i'm pretty sure it did not last as long as it felt like <laughs> <laughs> we can go back and look. I think at one point I went back and looked at like uh, the time Hogan turned bad to like the time Sting came down the rafters, like and actually started. I mean, like started fighting, you know, and actually it was normal. And it wasn't very long. It, it like the height of WCW was like two years, if that. Wow, because I feel yeah. like he was the Crow character forever. 
Well, he stayed in that character, but I'm more talking about like the um like the peak of it where he would just go hang out in the upper echelons of the stadium and then it took him to come down and actually fight because he didn't fight for like a year. Yeah. Yeah. But he was just anyway. up there. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, I digress. But what I'm trying to ask you is if you take away Brandon's death and you take away Sting and WCW and all that kind of stuff, d- does the crow still become as like effective in pop culture as it did because i feel like it's very popular i'm trying to separate the movie and what it did for itself between these other things that happened i don't think it does okay i don't think it's i really enjoy the movie and i enjoy the atmosphere around it and i don't think it's a good enough movie to where it deserves the hype that it's gotten over the years um i really enjoy it but i think it got blown up from all the things that you mentioned. Okay. I, I don't know that I have a good answer for it. it it's really hard to break apart those things. I, I feel like it still would have been the right movie at the right time with the right themes and everything like that. Like, I don't think the movie works as well in the late nineties. It's like this early nineties where we're still, you know, in this grunge phase and, you know, we really haven't gotten into a lot of, what am I trying to say? Like the, the action movies where, you know, gunfights became really big uh and there was gunfights everywhere like i know we had the john woo movies that were happening over in hong kong but they hadn't quite all kind of made their way in here yet so i I will say the one thing i i remember the action scenes when i was younger being a lot cooler than what they are when i watch them now but obviously i'm now looking at it through a lens that's you know going on what 25 years later so i've seen a lot better gunfights but i remember i remember feeling like this movie was more action oriented back in 1994 than what i do now so i feel like between the the supernatural vengeance and the darkness and obviously the soundtrack for certain people the soundtrack was fantastic if you like that kind of movie and then you know some of the action that was happening i feel like it still would have been pretty successful and people still would have latched onto it but uh, you know you'd be lying if you said that his death and sting and all that stuff didn't didn't add more to it no i i, I agree completely i think uh it definitely added but i don't think it would have had this cult following if not for those. Yeah. So I just talked about this, but your thoughts on the action of this movie? No, I, I, I was, that was one of my points I was going to make. It's a lot less than I thought. Um, mm-hmm. There's not, there's an in fight scene, but not really. There's uh even the, him getting shot up at the table, I thought was a, a grander deal um, mm-hmm. than what it was. Even T-Bird, they didn't even show T-Bird dying. I thought they did. Yeah, you know, they, they cut away it. from it. And uh, it's like all those I had in my mind what I thought those scenes were going to be, and they they weren't. And so yeah. I was kind of disappointed with the action piece of it because I view him as an action star. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there wasn't much of that at all. Yeah, I feel like the table scene is pretty much the only action sequence in the movie. Like there's some other moments of gunfire or knife fire or whatever, but like that's really the only what I would call, well, I, I take that back. There's a little shootout in the church lobby at the end before he, on his way to confront top dollar. But I mean, that's just like a generic shootout. Like I feel like the one big action piece is that table sequence. Yeah. And, and you'd be right. Well, so I, I agree with you there. I mean, I think we both kind of said it. I was a little uh, taken aback, probably too strong, but I was like, "Oh, wow!" There's, there's really not as much. It, it's more atmosphere and kind of one-on-one vengeance, if you will, as opposed to you know full big action sequences. Right. Yeah, and I think that's 
that's where my thinking he was an action star mm-hmm. comes into comes into play with my yeah. expectations. But, I mean, I've seen this movie a lot, so I don't know why I I'm so surprised that there's not that much action. But when I was watching it for the purpose of this podcast, you know, your brain changes a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So you did mention this, and I do want to get your thoughts on it. The end confrontation between the crow and top dollar. Give me your thoughts on the roof. Uh, it was, I mean, I, I like, I like parts of it. I like that they, he was normal, but at this point he's not a fighter. He's a musician, mm-hmm. you know, and he's been shot. So, I mean, there wasn't much of a fight really, but specifically the way it ends with the crow making top dollar feel 30 hours of pain all at once. Oh, basically the Ghost Rider penance stare. <laughs> yes. Um, well, it's funny because so he he took that from Ernie Hudson, right? That's yes. Where, okay, that, and that's what I thought because my wife said, "Well, he wasn't there," and I was like, "Well, I think that's what he took from Ernie. He never actually Ernie never felt it, right? I guess more watched it. So where he got that from, I don't know. Maybe he pulled that from Shelley somehow, mm-hmm. but it was more of watching her die, I guess, than her actually die." Right. Is that your interpretation of that? Yes, that is my interpretation. Yes, that's how I read it. So, I mean, I, I don't like that. I'd rather him fight and defeat him. I, I figured that's where you would be, and that's, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at, too. It's fine. It just, it kind of feels like you're showing a power of the crow that nobody had any idea existed until that moment. And up until then, you've been shown that he can be invincible. And I know he's hurt and stuff now, but then you start to, it kind of begs the question of, well, if the crow's hurt and now Brandon, sorry, Eric Draven can be hurt, why does he still have access to these supernatural powers? And it just, I get it. Like, obviously I'll say thematically, it sort of makes sense. Like here, I'm giving you all this pain and then he falls off the roof, but it it is kind of anticlimactic. It's like, oh, I, I didn't know he could do that. And okay. I mean, I kind of wanted to see a big showdown or whatever, but I guess this works. So I do feel like it's sort of like a little bit of a a letdown at the end. I mean, you like that top dollar got his comeuppance that way, Mm -hmm. but you wanted him to be defeated differently, I think. Yeah. I even think something as small as like if he had given him all that pain, but he's still like I don't know. I, you know, the crow is still the one to actually kill him. Like I know he kind of throws him off the roof and he dies, but I guess for all this feeling of like a vengeance that you're working towards and getting your revenge, you kind of want it to be directly at his hands and not sort of like, oh, here's all this pain and push you off the roof. So it's so, fine. So you wanted I, I him. Hate- you wanted him to be laying there with the sword stuck in his stomach and then give him the pain. I, something I I don't know that's, exactly what or that's kind of evil, maybe Eric. Goes, <laughs> <laughs> Before you die, I'm gonna hit you with this. Yeah. Or maybe he goes like full mountain in Game of Thrones, and as he's giving him the thirty hours of pain, just squeezes his head. Squishes his head. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I am running out of things to say on the crow. All right, so am I. So let's get to it. I am Thor, son of Odin. As long as there is life in my breast, I am. Running out of things to say. Are you ready? Would you rate it? I ended up getting a four. Um, it's it's one that I've always liked. It's one that I will always like. I think um, I really enjoy uh, 
again, the mythology around it, and I really enjoy Brandon Lee. I think his performance was awesome, and, and it's sad that that's the last we got to see of him um, as he was coming into his own as an actor. I don't think it's a five-star movie, and I'd, I'd be very disappointed in myself if that was in the threes. So I landed at a four. Yeah, you got it. I, I don't know that I could say any better than that. Um, you and I are both kind of suckers for tales of vengeance and revenge, and this is done very well. And most movies that try to do this and fold in some supernatural content don't do it very well at all. Um, I'm kind of like, you know, winking here at uh, our later question of what movie you would like if you like this, but it's very hard to find a movie that is vengeance and revenge with the supernatural thread. So the fact that this pulled that off is great. It is crazy dark and moody, which is awesome. It has the right amount of plot where you don't feel like it's convoluted or weighed down, but it gives you just enough to keep things going. And then obviously you just said this, but Brandon Lee is incredible. I mean, like the, the moment, I think maybe my favorite acting moment. So not my favorite moment in the movie. So I'm not going to spoil that, but I think my favorite acting moment is when he gets shot in the hand by fun boy and just like his reaction to that, where he's like laughing and giddy, like the effect that happens after that's not so good. But it's moments like that where I'm like, damn, I wish we could have had so much more of that, Brandon Lee. No, I I agree. I agree completely. So what was your favorite part? Favorite part is the gunfight. I mean, I, I love how he hops on the table and he, you know, he's sitting Indian style. He gets shot a hundred times. He goes under the table. We get a little bit of hand to hand, some guns. We even get some swords. I, I do think it could have been filmed a little bit more coherently. Um, I don't know that Proyas has the right eye necessarily for action scenes, but it was 1994. So I'll, I'll give it a little bit of a, a slide for that, but I think that's my favorite moment. So my favorite part was the pawn shop scene where he, uh, you know, dumps all the rings into the shotgun. And I had, I had thought that he shot, shot the, the owner with the rings mm-hmm. at that point. And that would have been a lot cooler if he did, but it, um, but I guess you needed the, uh, the owner to tell top dollar who it was, but, but in my mind, it was, you know, you dump the rings in there and he's perpetuated the killing of all these people, um, deserve to die by the rings. I thought that was really cool. And the scene that shows him coming out of the shotgun and everything blowing up. I thought that was really cool. I like how they put, I mean, I know it's not a person, but like when they zoom out to the explosion, the crow is standing like right in the doorway and he gets he's still staying there, but like the explosion, like blows this trench coat back and stuff. It's just a cool look that they, he's still there when it goes off. Yeah, exactly. That, that whole, that whole part. I think that's, that's my favorite. So do we have the same thing that we would change? I don't know. Hit me with it. Well, it's the guitar playing. It, it's so, <laughs> it's so. But would you lose, but would you lose your favorite line? Wait, why? Why would I lose I my favorite line? Time. He doesn't say that when he's playing the guitar. No, but it ties back to his, it's the song title or well, his song lyric. Yeah, but just because, I mean, you can still have the picture. I'm not saying he did, he's not a musician. What I'm saying is he can still be in the band. He can still have the record. He can still say it can't rain all the time, but do we need him taking an amp up to the roof twice and playing a guitar and then the second time smashing it down? Like It just, I don't know, feels forced. No, I agree. I'd remove that too. Okay. I mean, otherwise, I would have struggled to come up with something. Yeah, I mean, other than I would like more more action. Yeah, I guess I always think of changing as like, yeah. But you're right. Yes, more action would have been great, too. Yeah, so it, well, one of those. So before we get to our, our next one, I'm going to throw you a curveball. I didn't 
I didn't prep you for this. So oh, okay. So instead of the character change, who would you cast now? Because the, this, these proposed remakes have just about everybody you've ever heard of in a movie has been tied to this somehow. That's true. So I just want to read off some of the names that have been tied to this, uh, the remake. Uh, Bradley Cooper? No. Mark, Mark Wahlberg? No. James McAvoy? No. What in the hell? Channing Tatum? Jesus. Ryan Gosling? All have backed out. We have Tom Hiddleston. Okay. Xander Skarsgård. Okay. Uh, Luke Evans. I mean, that, that seems like a default, but okay. Norman Reedus. No. Uh, we have Nicholas Holt, for some reason, Ew. is tied to every role that I hate him for. Yeah. Um, then Forrest Whitaker. Uh, what? <laughs> He's there any Hudson role. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> you really threw me for a loop there. <laughs> I can actually see yeah, that. So let's, you, you can see Forrest Whitaker as the crow. No, 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 no. Uh, as Ernie yeah. Hudson, Officer Albright. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But why not just make it Ernie Hudson again? Uh, right. What's Ernie doing? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> he he's on that app where you can pay him a hundred bucks to say something. Oh, I'd pay a hundred bucks to hear Ernie talk. Well, you can, <laughs> and nice. maybe we'll have him promote the podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait. So are uh, you, are you done with your list? No. Okay. No. M- most recently was uh, Jason Momoa. Yeah. And uh he has since backed out yep i'd heard that which i don't hate so, momoa for that so of all uh of all of those or one of your own choosing who would you like to see remake the crow um well i mean that's tough on the fly i mean it had a ton of sequels and they all sucked i think i only saw a couple of them very bad um, very, don't watch the sequels please so I'm not one of those like we should never remake movies, but I also am. I feel like I'm aware of when you catch lightning in a bottle, and I feel like The Crow was lightning in a bottle for for some of the actual movie circumstances and some of the non movie circumstances. So my stance would be, I wouldn't even try. Just don't do it. It's just something that needs to stay what it is, and, and let it be. They should have never made sequels to it. Out of all the names you said. Um, Hiddleston was the first one where I was like, I can see it. I, Cause he's, I don't know why, just something about he's, he, I think I've seen him in only lovers left alive. And a few other movies, he can have the long black Loki hair. Um, he can, he's kind of, um, kind of pale. He kind of is, uh, slim, you know, kind of slender. You, yeah. You, yeah. You don't want, I mean, that'd be the problem with Momoa. He'd be just a hulking beast of a man. I think the crow is better. That comes off as somebody who, didn't know they were going to be coming back for vengeance, if that makes sense. Right. Um, so out of the ones, I think there was somebody right around um, Hiddleston. Gosling. Mm, as much as I love my boy, baby goose, it just, that's, I can't see that. Um, but I think it might've been somebody after Hiddleston. I think you maybe said two in a row that, that weren't too bad. I said, uh, did you mean it Channing Tatum? Oh no, I did not mean uh, Channing <laughs> Tate Young. Uh, Luke Evans. Uh, that's so boilerplate. So no, Norman I guess. Norman Reed. Norman no, Reedus? Nope. Okay, never mind. It was only Hiddleston then. Kristen Stewart. <laughs> so who would you no. pick then? Uh, no, I. Of course, I'd like to see Momoa, but but you're absolutely right. I don't think he fits this. I mean, I think he he would look scary and badass in crow makeup, but he's more of a new version of Sting than right. a new version of the Crow. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, and so. Um, you know, I was I was okay with uh, Skarsgård, Alexander Skarsgård, oh, but yep, he's a, that was it. He's, 
he's a big dude. Um, mm-hmm. I think he, uh, but I think his face um, works for what this is. Yeah. Uh, I've liked what I've seen in, in most things of him. But I just don't think he's found that right role. Agreed. Um, but I think you're right. Um, as long as they keep this look of the crow and don't try to go the, uh, the graphic novel look of the punk, mm-hmm. the punk, cause I don't enjoy that look. Um, right. I've seen pictures of it and I'm like, that's not the crow. Right. You know, Brandon's the crow. Yeah. And so as long as they don't go graphic novel and they try to remake the, the movie, um, look of it, then I'd be on board. Okay. Uh, uh, I think you'd really need to to mix up a lot of stuff, and I think you you have to go more action if you're going to get me involved. Yeah, I agree. You, you, I mean, in this day and age, you, you've got to have more of that. Um, I mean, you don't have to go crazy with it. I mean, you could go like the man on fire route where there's some action, but it's you know still kind of a slow burn kind of action. You don't have to go full John Wick with it, but you, you got to have a little bit more at this day and age. Yeah. So, so you're saying no to Mark Wahlberg. No, that's uh, yeah, terrible. Um, so are are we actually going to answer the casting change question or did you just toss that one out altogether? Well, if you got one, hit me with it. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing great. I actually just said, I, I don't like Sarah, the girl. I just didn't think she was a good actress. I feel bad because kid actors are really tough. But then there's somebody who was in an action movie as a kid in 1994 that I thought would have been just as good of a replacement. In Last Action Hero? No, in The Professional. Ah, Natalie. Yes. I would have brought Natalie Portman over, and so she would have had the crow and the professional in the same years where she's playing kids who idolize, um, I don't know, guys going out for murdering for kills with no women, no children. No women, no children. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I knew I was going to throw you a curveball, so I didn't bother with that gotcha. question. But okay. uh, if I would have, it would have been one of the, uh, one of the thugs. And okay. Probably, uh, T-Bird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> although, what, uh, just the random uh, fire it ups, you know, I like. Uh, but when yeah. there's two of them, it was weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't know, he just didn't seem like the kind of leader of their, their group. Yeah. And so he would have gotten the axe. But uh, I knew I wanted to, to pull this on you. Okay. No, it was a good, good change it up. I like it. So what award did you give this? I gave it the best supernatural revenge movie. I talked about this earlier (laughs) and i will mention it here again in a minute but there's revenge movies and then there's revenge movies that try and fold in some supernatural content you even referenced one earlier with ghost rider those tend to fall flat on their face and uh when i was kind of researching what i wanted to compare this movie to i kind of landed on the fact that this feels like the only movie that got it right so i'm calling it the best supernatural revenge movie so what are our contenders other than ghost rider we'll we'll get to that oh we'll get to that you're making me cycle through before you get if you like this you'll like something else exactly and and you clearly didn't pick nicholas cage and ghost rider Uh, no i did not (laughs) okay well now i'm racking my brain on that there's not a lot of them i will say it's not like it's a whole you know sub genre yeah but i mean there's enough there to be like when i'm trying to find comparisons i was like well what the hell so what's your award? Well, I was so pleased with my curveball, I totally missed that question. Wow. You yeah. got something off the off the top of your head you can off go with? Off the cuff, it's going to be weak. It's going to be real weak. Um, well, I mean, I could go with the easy layup of best Brandon Lee movie. 
<laughs> I mean, I can't argue with that. I cannot <laughs> argue with that. And while I do love Showdown Little Tokyo, this is far better. Yeah. Okay. So then let's let's move on. I'll, I'll let you pass. That's fine. It works. Okay. So you give me your, if you like The Crow, you would also like. So I went with Punisher 89 with Dolph Lundgren. Hmm. Why, why 89? Why so specific to that? Because Punisher popped in my head too. Because the rest of them aren't good. Uh, and this one was more. 89's not good. 89's, it feels more like The Crow than the other ones. Okay. And it was a. Um, because it's lighter on the action, but there's still, it's a vengeance plot. It's dark. It's gritty. It's 89. It's not quite nineties, but it's still that same feel. Um, and I think Dolph was a great pick for, for Frank Castle. So I've got to ask you though, if the point of our question is to say, if you like this, then you would also like this. But I mean, if you're saying, I'm assuming the Punisher for you, 89, is no more than like a two or a two and a half. So probably not that good of a movie. So can I I haven't seen 89 in quite a while. uh, I'd like to. I remember it not being very good. So I guess my larger point is like, is there an obligation in this recommendation to make it at least something that you consider a good movie? I remember it being a good movie. The only thing that I would change from uh, what I remember of Punisher 89 is him sitting Indian style naked in a sewer. <laughs> yes. That happens. <laughs> that does happen. And uh he's not on a table like like Brandon is. And he's okay. not wearing clothes, but it fits, I feel. And I feel like okay. I I don't think it's a four star movie if that's what you're you're getting Ooh, at. I if can tell if, you if you're driving that point home. I I just can't see you being above a two and a half on this. And it, it could go pretty south like i don't know that you get into one and a half it's possible but i feel like it's a two-star movie from what i remember so just just poking around at the recommendation if dolph died in the punisher would it get to a four no (laughs) it's still a (laughs) terrible movie (laughs) well i need to go see it again okay yeah yeah report back on that one because i haven't seen it in a while either but i remember if i probably hated it as a kid as a huge fan of the punisher it's got to be pretty bad as an adult but did you not like as a kid because he didn't have the skull? No, I just didn't. I mean, I liked all sorts of Van Damme and Lundgren and Seagal and all sorts of stuff like that. So for me to even not like that, then. I and you've know. always hated Lou Gossick Jr., so. <laughs> I love Chappie. What are you talking about? <laughs> so what'd you come up with? What's this spirit of vengeance that you have? Okay, so. In uh, back pocket here. No, no, no. There's nothing good. This is the whole problem, is that. The the genre is trash. So we've mentioned multiple Ghost Rider films, right, uh, of supernatural vengeance that is just not good. Um, I, I was starting to rack my brain doing some Google searching. I mean, you could maybe stretch it into like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, which I don't really consider that like a revenge movie. Uh, Spawn. Remember that one? Spawn. Okay. Yeah. I hadn't thought uh, of Spawn. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost exactly that, right? He gets killed. He tries to come back to be with his wife. Um, he has all these supernatural powers. It was made in 97, so three years later. And then, of course, there was one that preceded The Crow, which is, uh, I actually watched this within the last few years. It's called The Wraith with uh, Charlie Sheen in the 80s. And That's I say it's awful movie. Oh, yeah. Yep, it's really bad. And to say it's with Charlie Sheen is, is really stretching that. But, you know, it, it's kind of the same thing. It's supernatural revenge. So long story short, they don't really do the, these those are you hold on well. those are your three i gotta think there's better ones than the wraith and spawn and ghost riders 
in Ghost Riders. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of them, and it's probably because when they try to do them, I mean, and I'm not saying I have a fully exhaustive list. I'm just not. I wasn't going to spend an hour trying to research. God, I, I think I think there's a Back from the Dead revenge movies that are much better than than any of those that you named how are we not knowing this right now yeah i mean we can put some more effort into it but truth be told i like i said i'm not gonna spend an hour trying to research this because i got to like surface level I'm like these are all bad um so my here's the thing my recommendation is more about timing and style and mood than than anything else and so i'm wondering what you're gonna think about this because i have never considered this movie to be a revenge or a vengeance movie i mean i kind of but you have to kind of stretch it really thin so anyways i'm gonna say blade blade so if you liked this then you'd like blade yeah okay i mean sure yeah i mean i'm I'm thinking like it's really dark visually and obviously thematically with vampires and everything. But, but see, I don't think Blade um, is very dark movie. I think it's really? I think it's surprisingly I, I, not for what it is. Visually? Visually. Hmm. I mean the blood uh, god is I, out in the in the open. You know? Yeah, and even I don't for know, a I guess daywalker, just, it's surprisingly bright. I don't know. I, I have always felt like it's a darker movie. Like everything not everything it's not First off, we should just say that The Crow is one of the darkest movies I've ever seen visually. Um, but like, it just it feels right. Like we're still in the '90s. There's there's this. Um, I won't say invincible because Blade's not invincible, but there's a super powered guy that's going around. You could say he's getting revenge on vampires because they turned his mom or created him for what he is. Um, soundtrack is a little bit influential, I think, not nearly as much as The Crow. But stylistically, it feels like it's the evolution of The Crow in a way. So that's what I came up with. Okay. I mean, I'm not, I think it fits what we're, uh, what we're asking here. Yeah. It, I feel like I'm in the right. I don't think it's a you bad recommendation. It just, it, comic book-y. it doesn't, f- <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fit as nicely as I would like it to, but you can kind of see like the puzzle piece kind of almost goes in. Right. If but you slam it really hard. It'll, it'll get, get in there. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> exactly. Your fist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I'm really disappointed I can't come up with one off the top of my head of a Back from the Dead well, revenge movie. How about this? You find some and you just lob them out on our two views account on All Twitter. Right. Uh, you can, and you know what? You can have until Tuesday because this doesn't go out till Tuesday. Okay. So you know, just reply to our post. Be like, here's all the supernatural vengeance movies that we could think of. I still feel like the crow is going to end up at the top of that list. Okay, deal. All right. So next week, Rambo: Last Blood. Yes. Is it the last blood? It's never with Stallone. It is never over. <laughs> Maybe he'll guy. be supernaturally returned to, to get vengeance. <laughs> Do not put it past Sly at all. Even if he does end up killing himself here in Rambo, he will be back. Yep. It, it never ends. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, Rambo Last Blood next week. Uh, Carson, where can they find you on Twitter? At Carson Graff, G R A F F. All right. You can find me at, at Two Views Garrett, G A R R E T T. You can find the show on all the socials. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at, at Two Views Movies. You can always email us at twoviewsmovies at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help us out, go to the Apple Podcast Store and leave us a rating and a review to let us know what you think of the show. It helps spread the word. Like we mentioned, Rambo Last Blood is coming up next week. I think Ad Astra the week after that. 
and we will catch you next time. What should we do next? Something good? Something bad? Bit of both? Bit of both.